Thank you. Whether you're online or on site or out of sight, man. Uh, well, flashback to the 60s. For those of you who have absolutely no idea what that was about, uh, you're young. Or you lived a protected life, whichever, uh, which is entirely okay, too. Uh, just glad you decided to participate again. I think you want to thank you for that, and uh, thank you for being a part of our worship celebration. I call it the least popular, least quoted promise of Jesus in the entire Bible. No one wants to hear it. I am fairly certain no one quotes it. Well, at least no one quotes it on a regular basis. Um, but it's true. It's a promise that every one of us knows is true, and we don't like it. Let's just be honest. Okay, some of you are not going to be comfortable with me saying that, but it's okay. It is the, <laughs> it's amazing to me. On the night before Jesus died, shortly before he was arrested and taken off to be crucified, you can almost call the, the conversation that the, the Apostle John records in his gospel, John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus' deathbed statement to his disciples. He knows he's about to die. He knows that what he's saying to them is really important. He knows he hopes they get it. And this is the last thing he says to them before he goes into a prayer and before he's arrested and taken away. The last thing he says to them is, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay. That's a really uplifting thought. Our problem is that we usually get it exactly the other way around. We, whether we say it out loud or not, we expect trouble to be the exception to the rule instead of the rule. And as a result, when trouble comes, and trouble always comes, Jesus was right, in this world you will have trouble. We're surprised. We're shocked when difficulties come into our lives. We spend much of our time and energy. I, okay, I'm, I'm going to say we spend most of our time and energy seeking comfort and security religiously. Religiously seeking comfort and security. We strive to create trouble-free lives. If only I got this, I could, I, you know, if I have enough money, if I have enough this, if I have enough that, if I have this, if I have that, if I'm in a relationship with that person, if I just get this, 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 and this, everything's going to be okay. 
Nope. You can have it all. <clears throat> and in this world, you will have troubles, trials. No matter what you have. In this world, Jesus says you will have we will have troubles. We will get cancer. We will get sick. We will have tragedies strike our families. We'll have untimely deaths. We will have children who endure traumas. We'll, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, perhaps in a different part of the world than ours, uh, there will be people who uh, are either arrested or killed because they believe in Jesus. They're, Trouble is an unfortunate part of life in this world. It is a it is an obvious symptom of the fact that this world is broken. And as long as we think it's not the rule, we're living in denial of the fact this is a broken world. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. So the question is, what are we supposed to do with it? How are we supposed to stand this test of time, of all these trials? Well, there is a, um, a sermon. It's really not a letter. In the New Testament, there are a couple of most of the books in the New Testament, besides the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're, they're, those are the, the records of Jesus' life. And then there's the book of Acts, which is a, kind of the opening history of the church. And then most of the rest of the books in the New Testament are letters, except for a few. Well, there's a couple of sermons. Hebrews and James are really sermons. And then there's the book of Revelation that, well, most people just have absolutely no idea what to do with. <laughs> um, that, that's a whole other story for a whole other time. We won't talk about that right now. Um, James. James was, the book of James, or the sermon of James was written by Jesus' brother. Joseph and Mary were his parents. Now, just think for a moment what it would be like to grow up with Jesus, literally, as your big brother. Why can't you be more like Jesus? He's the perfect son. He... <laughs> Uh, tradition tells us that James never really believed in Jesus and, uh, until after the resurrection when Jesus came to meet him personally. And I can understand why it would take like meeting somebody who you thought would have been crucified and dead to, to you know, trust your brother to be the Messiah. I understand that. But he had been around following his mom, who followed Jesus all the time. James had been around enough that he heard Jesus' teachings, and he became a leader in the church. And he writes this sermon, and it's spread out and given to the church all over the world uh, at that time, which would have been 
most of the area around the Mediterranean Sea. And here we are, we're going to dive in right at the very beginning, right after he talks about who he is, a little bit about who he is and how it's to be given to everybody. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, the very first paragraph of, of this sermon. He kicks it off with a real positive note, too. He learned from Jesus. Jesus ends with, in the world you will have trouble. James starts with, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Or for those of us who live here, a wave of the bay. Tossed, blown by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, uh, occasionally we get gale warnings out on the bay, small craft warnings. They don't ever tell the big ships to stay out of the bay, but they always tell the little small crafts, stay off the bay when the wind starts blowing, right? That's the kind of thing when you have doubts, you're going, I don't know if God can handle this. That's the kind of doubt he's talking about. Not, I have questions, but I have doubts. I don't know if God can handle this kind of mess. He goes, you're just like a wave. <laughs> and you are a small craft. Get out of the water. But he kicks it off with this really strange direction. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. Whatever you face trials of many kinds, how, how, how can we be joyful when we face trials? Now, I want you to notice what James doesn't say. Because I am afraid that sometimes we misunderstand what James said. James doesn't call us to celebrate the test and the trials and the suffering. He doesn't say, when trouble shows up, throw a party. That's not what he says. He invites us to take a whole different outlook, to take a have a transformed mentality, a transformed mindset that sees trials as a opportunities for Jesus to change our characters. To see those things as opportunities for Jesus to work down deep inside of us. We talked about this a little bit in the last few weeks because <laughs> this is one of our human tendencies. We often look at these things, uh, many things as being out there is the problem. 
there's the problem. It's out there. And James is saying, consider this thing that's a problem out there as an opportunity for Jesus to do some work in here. Consider your tests and challenges something far different than we normally do. Because how we consider, how we think about these things uh, will determine the outcome of what they produce in our lives. Tests and challenges can either ruin people or renovate them. Renovate them. It, we cannot, this is probably one of the biggest things we need to remember, we cannot overstate, overstress how much following Jesus depends on our minds, our ways of thinking inside of us, the deep inner part of us being reprogrammed. We're not, when we talk about our minds being changed and transformed, like Paul talks about in his letter to the Romans, we're not talking about our brains, although many of us, I would like to have some parts of my brain pre-programmed, like the part that never can remember the name that goes with a face. I don't know if anybody else is like this. I remember faces like that and names a half hour to three days later. That part of my brain I would love to have reprogrammed. I mean, even if it would be reprogrammed to three snaps later, that would be wonderful. At least then it would look like I was just being thoughtful about my response when I see somebody. <laughs> As opposed to, oh, I know I'm supposed to know you. <laughs> right? But we're not talking about reprogramming our brains. What we're talking about is that central core of our personhood, of who we are as a person, that place that we've talked about, maybe we call it, it's called, people, we call it all kinds of things, heart, soul, strength, spirit, uh, intellect, where, where it all comes together. Who we are individually, down in the center of who we are. That is the place, the, the problem, the test creates an opportunity. This is the mindset that James is calling us to, to consider that not as a, not as a problem to be solved or a situation to be escaped, but as an opportunity for <laughs> Jesus to do something deep down inside of us. Consider it pure joy that now you have an opportunity, Jesus now has an opportunity to do something deep down inside of you. It's like a transfusion that Jesus wants to do. That's how the testing, this testing of our faith produces perseverance. Jesus wants to pass his life, his perseverance into us by pouring out his Holy Spirit into our spirit, into our soul, into our mind, into the, our inner being. 
So here's the question for us to begin thinking about. What if Jesus isn't so much looking for us to be praying help me God prayers as he is looking for us to say fill me Jesus prayers. See, help me deal with this thing out here. What if he's asking us, looking for us to pray fill me up Jesus so that in the middle of this opportunity for you to change me, I actually do become more like you. What, what if this test and this, this, this trial produces perseverance, which doesn't mean what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. What if it means that the testing of my faith makes me more like Jesus. That Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, gives me his perseverance and his character and his love. And as he becomes more real and more at home in the center of who I am, what if that is joy? What if that is transforming, breathtaking love that changes the world? What if he's calling us to move from a faith that believes in something, in a doctrine, to faith that surrenders to him? Moving from belief in something to faith trust in someone. When we stand the test of time, we don't, we, I, we need to understand, we don't produce perseverance. If we produce perseverance, it would go to the most stubborn individuals in the race. All you'd have to be is a stubborn mule. Some of us are stubborn. I'll confess, I, nobody else has to. But perseverance isn't the result of being stubborn. Perseverance is the Holy Spirit doing work in my life and in your life. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of perseverance in us. We, but we aren't passive recipients. It isn't something that we just sort of sit there and we get from him. We need to work with the Holy Spirit to receive the benefits of perseverance. The key word that what James says to us is the very next thing he says after he says, consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, when you enter into trials of many kinds, and then the next sentence says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. The key word is let. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus gives us a transfusion, but we need to like hold still so the IV can be put in. 
Have you ever, my dear wife was a nurse, have you ever tried to put an IV into someone who didn't want it? Did you? <laughs> um, I, have you ever watched somebody who hates needles? Yes. We've been around. We know some people who hate needles and have let them squeeze our hand while the needles were being brought. It's amazing how tiny little people who hate needles can be super strong. That hurts my hand. How did a tiny person get that strong? I don't know. You gotta let the Holy Spirit work. We have to let in the Holy Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit be the one who gives us a transfusion of Jesus' victory over the world's troubles. In other words, Jesus pours his perseverance into us when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. A trial in the hands of Jesus becomes the process of us emptying ourselves of all those things that need to be empty. Here's one of the things here's one of the things that I've always been very grateful for in my life. I don't know about you. Maybe you've never thought about it this way, but I, I often do. If Jesus would ever show me all the stuff that was wrong with me in one moment, I am certain I would drop dead. I'm pretty sure. I am I'm not I'm pretty sure that in the in the in the old part of the first part of the Bible, they talked about if anyone sees God, they're going to drop dead. I am pretty sure that the reason that is true is because if they saw God, they'd see exactly how bad they were and that would kill them. Well, where'd you get an idea like that, Pastor Mark? Well, I'll tell you where I got an idea like that. It comes from Isaiah chapter 6. Where this guy named Isaiah went into the temple, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he saw these, these flaming angels flying around going, holy, 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 man, God is so holy. And the first thing out of this hellfire and brimstone preacher, because you got to read the first five chapters and realize that he was telling everybody that they were going to hell. The first thing out of his mouth was, whoa, I'm doomed. And the only reason he wasn't is because God sent an angel to bring him forgiveness. And I'm pretty sure God spared him from seeing everything he needed, could have shown him. That's why these opportunities come in our lives. It's when an opportunity comes along in our lives and the Holy Spirit says, hey, now we have an opportunity to work on this attitude. And we go, I never realized that was a problem. I know. I thought we'd wait. But now's the time. Oh. Now, I don't know about you, but I already confessed to you that I'm stubborn. 
So the next question the Holy Spirit inevitably asks me is, so Mark, are we going to have an argument? I mean, are you going to be stubborn about this or are we going to work on it? You know, I've been around long enough that I know how all those arguments go. I say, no, 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 yes. Because I'd much rather, in the end, I would much rather say yes to Jesus. So I've learned to just say, well, you know what my first answer usually is, but I'd rather say yes. <clears throat> so let's just skip the argument and go straight to the yes. So, we can be encouraged. Whatever trial we may be facing, will produce something good in us. It could be a new sense of humility, a new sense of dependency on Jesus. It could be a new sense of being able to love like he loves, it can be a new sense of his peace and his gentleness and his kindness. Go through that list of this fruit of the Spirit. Go through the description of his love in 1 Corinthians 13, because those are the things he wants to develop in us in our character. Here's the sermon in a sentence. Jesus pours perseverance into us. Jesus pours perseverance into us. When we open ourselves up and ask for his Holy Spirit in the middle of all of our trials and all of our certain difficulties and all, we just say, fill me, Jesus. Not help me get out of this, but fill me, Jesus. He comes in and he takes out stuff that's in the way and he fills us in a fresh way. Well, that sounds really cool. So, what keeps us stuck? I mean, why isn't this just happening? What, what prevents us from doing this? Well, what what about the idea of looking at trials as opportunities for Jesus uh, uh, to transform our characters? Could it be that uh, we, we prefer to think we don't really need to change or grow? I'm a good person. I'm way better than a lot of people. You need a list? Nobody says that out loud. Well, I should say nobody. 99% of the people I know won't say that out loud. <clears throat> but occasionally we feel that way. Or, or could it be that that, point of, that that point of view goes against what we've always been told and we really can't imagine changing our minds? Like, to begin to think that the problem really isn't out there, that there's problems in here that need to be changed, that, that, that 
that Jesus needs to work on me. <clears throat> what? what? What if that's the struggle? Or, or perhaps the, the habits and the rituals that we've developed to try to, to keep ourselves comfortable and secure have been effective in some sense and they've done some positive things for us in our lives and, and, and we're trying to, well, we're, we're thinking to ourselves, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Or could it be that we, we're just so accustomed to saying, Lord, let me help you. Because I'm pretty sure I know how you should handle this situation. <clears throat> We're more comfortable with praying that than we are, Lord, your will be done. Let your will be done. so used to saying help me Lord instead of fill me up Lord and I think that may be the bottom line reason we don't work with the Holy Spirit we either actively or passively kind of refuse to participate in the transformation that he wants to make in our characters because we want to stay in control. We want to be in charge. But how can we work with the Holy Spirit? I want to go back to the the the, the that least quoted <coughs> promise of Jesus. Some of you know I didn't do the whole thing. Uh, I want to share the complete promise this time. Jesus said, "In this world, you will have trouble." But take heart, I have overcome the world. That was for him at that moment <clears throat> partially a prophetic statement. Because he knew what was going to be happening in the next few hours. Jesus experienced severe suffering. The worst of it was on Friday. He was speaking to his disciples late Thursday evening. And he knew in a few hours, he was going to, a, few, a couple hours max, he was going to be arrested and then he was going to be beaten and tried and whipped and mocked and crucified. And with, with, in less than 24 hours, he's going to be dead and buried. He knew that. And he knew that God planned to raise him on Sunday morning. Now, I want to pause for a moment. He knew God's promise. Like we know, God's promise to raise us up on the last day. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because everybody's going to raise their hand if I ask this question. But we're not going to know that we know that we know that it's true until the last day when he does it.
we all have known some dear saints, dear, lovely people who've lo loved Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and their neighbors themselves have gone to looking forward to that day. They have gone to their graves looking forward to that day, and they still don't know that it's true and won't know until that day. And even whether we know it's true. And on Thursday night when Jesus said to his disciples, I have overcome the world, he was saying that with the same kind of faith that we have when we say, when I die, it's not the end of my story. But we know the rest of Jesus' story, right? On Sunday morning, he did walk out of that tomb. And he now sits in the throne of heaven to reign forever. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. And the big difference is not between people who follow Jesus and the people who don't follow Jesus. It's not like people who follow him get a free pass. Everybody in this world is going to have trouble. I could even make a case that if you're following Jesus, you may even have more trouble. That will never get me on television. Rats. By the way, that was sarcasm for everybody who's not sure. I always want to let you know that rats was sarcasm. <clears throat> Trouble is the common lot, the common experience of everyone in this world. The big difference is that the people who follow Jesus get to add this to the promise. Take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. That's our battle cry. This is the very source and the fountain of eternal joy. And it is the gospel. And it is not for just out there someday, but it's true right now because he is with us right now. Yes, yeah, someday I'm going to know the full extent of overcoming. But right now I can experience his overcoming power as he changes things inside of me that I thought would never change. I'm going to stop for a minute. This is not in my notes. But our world needs to see people who are changing. We've had so many people running around going, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I'm not perfect either. But you better be changing if you're following Jesus. that sermon's going to be saved for another day. You're welcome. But it's true. The, this message that Jesus has overcome the world is the gospel, not for some day by and by in the sky. It is for today. It is for here. It is for now. And millions and millions and billions of people, billions of people are yearning to hear it, but not just to hear it, to see it. To see it. 
like a lot of people. I know this is not unusual. I've been going through a long season of trials. Um, and I'm, not, I'm sure not alone. Uh, perhaps you have too. Not perhaps, so I look around the room. I know. I know. And even if you haven't, This is the best time for you and me to shift our mindset about trials. To stop thinking of them as something to escape and to begin thinking of them as something that Jesus can use to make us more like him. I want you to listen as Jesus tells us, you and me both. Take heart. I am pouring blessings into your spirit, into the center of whom you are through this trial. You will receive my heartfelt humility and remarkable love. Trust me. It's already happening right now. Right now, he says. Everybody has different ways of praying. <laughs> One of the ways that helps me a lot are the psalm writers, the, pe the, the people who wrote the psalms in the Bible, and the psalm writers who write songs, not just now, but in the past, as long as they're English. Songs written in German don't, I, I won't get them, okay? Um, but psalmists and songwriters provide great frameworks of prayer for me. And so I'm going to take one of those this morning. I want to use it as an example. I'm going to use the words of the song, Take My Life and Let It Be. As our prayer now. I'm going to invite you to make these verses, these that, that I'm not going to share all of them, but I've picked a few, to be our prayer to welcome Jesus through his Holy Spirit to pour his deep love into your inner person. There are two things that happen when he pours his love into us through his Holy Spirit. One, first of all, there is this, he heals us. One of the things that happens when we try to keep all our troubles out there is one, we fail absolutely and miserably. And we are scarred here, inside. And he's the only one that can heal those scars and wounds. So when we open it up and say, fill me now, fill me, Jesus. First thing his love does is heal us. Begin that healing process. 
The other thing it does is it transforms us so that we begin to love like he does. Inviting you to open your spirit, open your spirit, your soul, <coughs> your heart, your mind, your inner being, whatever you center of who you are. Open up to the Holy Spirit's transforming presence and power. Let's pray. my life, take our lives, as we offer them to you, let them be consecrated, set apart, completely yours. Take every moment, every minute, every hour, every day. Until the whole thing flows in endless not just in our lips, but in our actions. So that when people see us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. And they want to know you. Take our hands whole lives, all that we do. May, may everything that we do and everything that we say be motivated and shaped by your love. Start removing things like self-protection, self-motivation, self-ambition, and self-promotion. The things that have been in the way of your love. Start taking those little things away to make more room for your love. Take us to places where, and to people where we can be engaged in conversations that will help shape and change their lives and their eternity. Take our voices. Let the 
of saying, speak only always for you, Jesus, our King. May the words of our mouths reflect the meditations of our hearts. May they be pleasing to you. May they build people up. Help us to say the things that encourage and strengthen and heal. Well, Jesus, help me to remember my mama's words of good wisdom. If you have nothing good to say, keep your mouth shut. Take our lips and fill them with messages from you. Messages of, of love and healing and grace and mercy and compassion. Take our will, our plans. Make them yours. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Not mine, not anyone else's. Take our hearts and give them to you to be your throne. Reign in us. Not just occasionally. Not just when we're in trouble. Not just when we want help. Be the king of kings in your heart. And Jesus, take my love. Fill me. I am yours. And for some unknown reason, an unbelievable gift of grace, you are mine. I belong to you and you belong to me.
thank you for uh, connecting with us, particularly those of you who are online. If you uh, haven't already, please join the Champions of Hope. The information is in the description. For all of us, this time of worship is over. And our work is just beginning. You are sent, but the good news is you're not sent alone. You are to go with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, you can go or you can hang around. I need to get along with it. <laughs> 